Welcome to Updates from the Field, produced by HeartCry Missionary Society. Hello, everyone, and welcome to an update uh, from the HeartCry Missionary Society. I'm here with some of my brothers who uh, are coordinators around the world, and we want to talk to you today about some of our brothers and sisters that are in other parts of the world that are suffering greatly at this present time. So I'm going to begin with you. Is there a particular area of concern in Asia that you'd like yeah. to share? Well, we've been talking for the last six months about Myanmar and with the military coup and just the intense suffering of the saints there. Um, but we don't want to forget about China. And we right. haven't been. We've been praying for China. Uh, but our updates have been more about Myanmar. Right. But, um, but this week I talked to a pastor in, in China, and they're still uh, suffering persecution mm -hmm. you know, from, from the government. And how is the church responding? Yeah. Well, I've, I was encouraged both from the pastor. Um, mm -hmm. He shared how he'd been meditating on Psalm 27 to help overcome fear. Mm -hmm. um, but, um, you know, Christians are being imprisoned. They're mm -hmm. being, churches are being fined. Uh, but the particular pastor I was talking to, I asked him that, that question, and he said he was thankful because the church is more unified than it has ever been. Mm -hmm. The church is actually uh, growing in number growing in, in spiritual maturation. So he said the church was really dedicated to, to meeting together and just praying, praying you know, for their spiritual growth, but also pay, praying for their pastor in particular that he would not wilt under just the intense um, um, opposition that he's facing, the scrutiny. Yeah. In, yeah. Is it true that he's kind of been threatened with more prolonged um, incarceration or de detaining? Yeah. yeah um, He's been brought in for interrogation several times, and, and they warned him on the last, this last mm -hmm. time that if he did not cease um, pastoring the church and preaching the mm -hmm. gospel, that he would have to be um, detained or put in jail for, for a certain period of time, and there would be a pretty large fine against the church. And, and this is pretty much um, just one sample of something that's happening throughout the country. Yeah, I mean, he said, what I'm facing right now is nothing compared to other pastors that I know about that are in prison mm -hmm. and are facing a lot larger fines, you know, fines that the church cannot pay. Right, and then that leads to imprisonment. Yeah. And um, um, how can those who are listening, how can they pray? Yeah, well, I, you know, uh, the pastor I was speaking to was, was praying through Psalm 27, the Lord is my um, light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? So pray that the Lord would continue to give uh, the pastors the, the uh, manifestation of the Spirit, of His life and power, so that they would endure suffering and, and uh, would be an encouragement to, uh, to the saints. So yeah, just, just pray that the Lord would help them to overcome any fear and that they would actually be protected, be hidden, you know, from the government. Right, and, and don't think that prayer, you know, we always say, well, there's nothing left to do but pray, and that is so wrong. Mm -hmm. um, prayer is not our, our last recourse. Uh, it's our first resource. And so pray, pray meaningfully, pray persevering, pray believing, and uh, God can. He's proven himself. He does wonders through prayer. All right, well, thank you. Now we're going to turn our attention to our, our brother Luke, and uh, there's some challenges facing the people in Cuba. Can you tell us about those? 
Yeah, well, you guys have probably seen some in the news, right? Right. What's been going on there. I assume most people watching this video have at least some idea of some of the challenges that have been facing folks on the island of Cuba. Um, I get almost daily calls or uh, audio messages or messages from, um, from our contacts in, in Cuba. And, uh, and it's, the way that it's described to me is you look around on the island and it just feels hopeless. There's um, no medicine available, even basic medicine. I mean, none, not even, you know, if you want Tylenol, you can't even get Tylenol right now. Um, wow. No antibiotics none of the, the basic medicine that people need for basic illnesses. And, um, and so you have that on top of, of COVID. And so kind of behind all of this is just the extreme lockdown right now because of COVID and, um, and the way that that's preventing any mobilization within Cuba. So you know, trying to send something to Cuba right now is almost impossible because you have to send it to the island, but for it to get from you know the border to the actual destination within Cuba yeah. uh, is. Mm -hmm. I was talking to someone at one of the agencies yesterday uh, because right now we're trying to figure out a way that that we can get some medicine, basic medicine, to some of the, the churches and believers that we know in Cuba. And I was talking with one of the agencies, and the lady I was talking to said, uh, you know, she's talking about her own mom there. She says my mom is still on the island and. Um, and she has no access to any medicine. And if we wanted to send anything to her right now, it would take two months um, because it would have to go down to Panama and from Panama over to Cuba. And then by the time it got to the actual destination, um, it would take two months. Hmm. And so the situation described to me day after day has been all around us. People are sick, not just from COVID, but from any other number of illnesses and people are dying. Uh, and it, the exact phrase today actually was many people have died and many people will continue to die because uh, there's just nothing available to uh, to take care of but it, it's not just um, the reaction against the covid or general illnesses but it's also just the oppression is that true yeah yeah that's that's a, a major part of it yeah. yeah yeah and um how are the how are the churches um there as would be expected, I think, in a situation like that. I think they're, um, on the one hand, I asked, I asked uh, the brother I was talking to today, I said, what's it been like to pastor people through this? Um, and he said, if it were not for the sovereignty of God, we would have no hope, but the sovereignty of God has been a pillow for us to rest our head on. Um, and I, I, from a pastoral perspective, that's really been all that he's been able to do mm -hmm. is direct people's hearts and, and minds back to the, the sovereignty of God, his goodness, um, mm -hmm. even in the midst of seeing loved ones and uh, children uh, you know, without food, without medicine, dying from things that they shouldn't die from. Um, one, of, one of the things he said to me is it's kind of this combination of things. So you have malnourishment because there's no food and then you get sick with illness that should be something your immune system can generally overcome, but you can't because you're malnourished, and then you add on to that the fact that there's no medicine, so just all of those things come together uh, to create a, a terrible situation of suffering. And he said in the midst of that, the only, the only comfort we have is the sovereignty of God and his goodness and trusting that he can use this um, to extend the gospel and use this for his glory. Um, so that's what one brother shared with me. That's uh, his his ministry as a pastor has been basically attempting to encourage uh, the church and the reality of the power and goodness of God. 
Wow. Well, we also need to talk now about the Middle East and what's going on in, in Afghanistan. I've heard a lot of news coming out of that country and it doesn't seem to be doing well. Yes, sir. Uh, in fact, the headline news today on BBC and then another news outlet uh, was about the Taliban advance. You know, the Taliban was just this ruthless regime that ruled Afghanistan after uh, the Soviets were sort of chased out during the 90s. Um, they lost power after 9-11 and we invaded uh, to go after Al-Qaeda. Uh, but now that the West has withdrawn their troops, uh, I guess the Taliban's been emboldened and they've launched this serious offensive. They've taken many major cities and provincial capitals. Mm -hmm. uh, our source, the brother we work with, is just sad every day reading an update from him. You know, another city's fallen, another city. The Afghan government seems to be sort of gathering their forces just to protect the capital, Kabul. And uh, there's great fear now among the people that it's going to go back to that ruthless rule of the Taliban in the 90s. Is there also an idea of uh, revenge in the sense that it's kind of payback now? Um, <laughs> and um, what about the Christians, though? What, what's going on there? Anything specific? Yeah. Well, what we know about the believers there, our, the brother we work with knows of hundreds of Christians in Afghanistan in dozens of house churches and that in itself is encouraging that over the last 20 years of more relative peace right. the Lord has used it to spread the gospel across that country and train leaders and establish churches now they're in a very dangerous dangerous situation and uh, they're following the Lord's instructions to you know when you're persecuted in one city flee to the next so they're fleeing to cities now, even to villages, to try to hide. But the challenge is they're running out of places to flee to. And you know, when you read about that in the book of Acts, it's kind of, uh, it can be romanticized. But when you think about, you know, fleeing with your children mm -hmm. in your arms and not taking food, mm -hmm. losing your home, which in a lot of countries, you know, people don't really invest in their banking system. They invest in their home because it's it's right. it's you know real property and um, you lose everything mm -hmm. you lose everything and and as we've talked about it before um, the idea of being a parent or a husband and 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 the children the children yeah. I, I remember um, years ago meeting with a group of uh, um, Christians from Afghanistan in a mm -hmm. desert and um, one of them telling me how he had become a Christian and because he became a Christian, uh, he was fired from his employment and no one would hire him. And he was without food and didn't know what he was gonna do and he was praying um, and there was a knock at the door. And somehow during this, it was probably 15 years ago, this, he said he opened the door and there was an American standing there with a box and he didn't know hmm. what is this. And the guy, they could barely communicate but Apparently, somebody had been led of the Lord who knew how to make, take kits of making nice writing pens. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he got on a plane and went to Afghanistan with a few boxes and showed up at this man's door <laughs> and uh, taught him how to make these beautiful pens made out of stone, mm -hmm. special stone that was only there. 
um, and I have one of them. Mm. I was looking at it yesterday morning when you were talking, um, because he's on the run. Mm. I know he is. Um, and uh, but but that does give you hope, doesn't it? That yeah. God can send some <laughs> random person with a box teaching you how to make yeah. pins. That same God still still lives and is still caring for His people. Amen. Well, anything else that you can share? Well, some specific ways to be praying uh, for mm-hmm. these believers. Uh, number one, they've asked us to pray for the peace of Afghanistan. <laughs> they they have hope in a in a sovereign God that, that Luke was talking about, who could bring peace to that nation. Uh, of course, we we want to pray for their safety, um, for their protection. As you mentioned, to pray for provision because they're leaving mm-hmm. income, homes, farms. Many of these guys are probably just you know farming for daily sustenance, uh, and now they've got a family to care for. So that provision, uh, our brother said, he's spending sometimes three or four hours a day on in calls with these believers, trying to find them places to go, trying to find ways to get food to them. So uh, we need to pray for that. And then finally, uh, for their faith and their courage. Mm-hmm. Um, I have been so humbled to hear the statements of these sta- saints in Afghanistan. They, they will just say, and without any sensation, you know, it's just matter of fact. They've, these first-generation believers, they've read their Bible. Mm-hmm. They've read what Christ says about how his followers were suffered. Mm-hmm. They've seen what happened to the apostles in the early church, and they say, now it's our turn. And they yeah. accept it from the hand of God. Yeah, I, I remember mm-hmm. with that group that I met, there were two young ladies. I would say they were probably in their early 30s, and they had become Christians. And they, uh, you know, they they were like, you looked at them and you just wanted to adopt them, <laughs> you know, because they were they were suffering, mm-hmm. and the pastors told me, they said, these girls, because they're Christian, mm-hmm. that their lives could be in danger, mm-hmm. because it's not too much of an offense to do harm to a Christian. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then said, you know, they'll probably um, be uh, single all their life. And uh, they talked to me about it, the girls did, and their love for Christ mm-hmm. was just, you know, and you, you look at these, if they're precious to us, you know, Jesus said, if you being evil can give good gifts to your children, if they're precious to us, how precious are they to God? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was well, there yeah. anything else that anyone would like to, to share about anything? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, um, at times at HeartCry, we get, you know, emails or letters and say, why don't you get more involved in what's going on politically and in all these social issues and everything, but you have to understand that this is what we do. And there are believers around the world that are suffering. There are places where the gospel has yet to be preached. And uh, for many years, all during these last so-called, I guess, 10 or 15 years where I've seen so many young people come to the faith and it looks so promising and so forward advancing. In my heart it was always, we must work while it is day, for night cometh when no man works. And uh, when I think about uh, all the work that has been done in, in Afghanistan, I mean, we know men who have really, really 
preach the gospel in that country. And um, they probably didn't know the window was so short. And in all the other countries that, that only 20 years ago or so started to open up and we got to go into them and, and people couldn't believe it. It was like a door thrown open, you know. And, uh, but there was always that urgency. Mm -hmm. Let's work while it's day, for night comes when no man works. And, uh, and all the unrest and all the things that are going on and, and all the very, very important issues of the day in which we must involve ourselves at times. Never forget that the issue is go therefore and, and preach the gospel. Make the gospel known. You can fix every governmental problem, every social problem, but it is not going to clean one soul or make it presentable before a holy God. It is only preaching the life and death and resurrection of the Son of God on behalf of sinners. Well, thank you for this time. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Updates from the Field. Visit heartcrymissionary.com to view our other productions and to find out more about Heartcry Missionary Society.